stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia, where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the honest pod. Honest Pod. Yay! Welcome back to the Honest Pod. I'm cracking up before we even get on this thing. So if it's a weird intro, that's because I'm back with to 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 who are you, Tori Hine? Jeez, I got to get it together today. Sweet Tori Hine is here, meeting us again, <laughs> chatting with us again. I loved hanging out with you last week. It was uh-huh. very fun when we were reclaiming our body for an hour and eight minutes. <laughs> yep. <No. laughs> We reclaimed our body for an hour and eight minutes. If you've not listened to that that uh, podcast, number one, it actually is really good. It really is good. We have gotten a ton of response from you guys, which actually leads me to one of my thoughts. Can I just yeah. pause for a second and go, look, if you've not reviewed us, if you have not like liked, shared, reviewed, subscribed, all those things, it is actually so, so helpful and gets this this message out there. And I think so much of what we talk about on this podcast is so important for people to know about and to hear and to be curious about and think about. So, yeah. so review that uh, and, and subscribe to that. It really does. It like shines a little spotlight into a deep, dark cave of podcast really world and it's- content creation. When someone goes, hey, I listened to that and it was yeah. so good and it you know, and they're like, great. Now I'm going to, I'm, I'm refueled. Yeah. I'm going to do another. I can keep Thank going. You for the yeah. One actually those comments are, that's actually very true. But this, I'm just so excited to be diving into more of this idea around, you know, the reclaiming idea, reclaiming your, your story in essence, but reclaiming your body and reclaiming your calling. And then we'll go into reclaiming your family, which is, which is just such, I think an important topic to talk about. However, before we dive into that, I want to just tell you, we should be doing a thing called reclaim your sleep because last night (laughs) I, I cannot drink caffeine past two o'clock. I don't know what, I don't know what's happened in my forties, but if I drink caffeine past two o'clock and I always think, ah, it's not going to be this time. I'm going to be fine. And I had caffeine and I was up. I'm watching this stupid show right now. It's like I'm binge watching this dumb show. I don't even want to say it is because I'll be so judged by it. But I'm watching this show until <laughs> three o'clock in the morning because I am oh, I scary. am like wide awake. Not just like, oh, I'm just kind of like, I am wide. I'm like, oh, what do I need to do? Should I go for a run? That's where I'm at. Like I was just so. <laughs> You're out there at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Reclaiming my body. <laughs> I know I should be sleeping right now. But I'm reclaiming my bed. I have a great podcast episode for you to listen to. Yeah, Carrie. reclaim your body. Speaking of your body, how's your body doing with all your little chigger bites? Where <laughs> <laughs> you've been oh, assaulted. I'm, I'm recovered. You've been assaulted. I've been assaulted this summer by the chiggers. And if you don't know what a chigger is, like the word chigger, who 
Definitely a southern person came up with yeah, that well, name. Yeah, call this thing. I'm gonna call yeah. it a chair. And um, I live on a lot of grass in my backyard. I got lots of You're land. A land girl. And um, I'm a land girl, and the, we have had such a problem with chiggers. So if you guys want to comment in, if you have any solutions for me that doesn't involve me pouring like cancer-causing ingredients all over my grass that could absorb into my feet, I don't really want that either. I'd rather take the chigger bites. But chiggers are these small little, just you don't even see them, and they bite you, and it's like a it's like a mosquito bite, like times a hundred and it lasts for a week and they just like bite you over and over and over again I had 75 bites on my legs oh my gosh Tori and Matt had it even worse actually and he you guys are like living up (laughs) the the Moses I'm gonna throw my husband up I'm gonna throw my husband under the bus really fast he's the most quirkiest person that I have ever met in my entire life and when before we even got married Um, He made this list of qualifications for his wife, and on it, it included, she must be a deep sleeper because I'm really itchy at night. (laughs) (laughs) It was on the list. First of all, classic Christian writing down his qualifications. I know. He's making a list. The fact that that's the list. (laughs) Is it true? Is he itchy? And. He is so itchy and just kind of like anxiously restless. And I ask him like, what do you need to do in order to like fall asleep? And he's like, I channel in and I think about, (laughs) I think about my breath. I, I think about how comfortable I feel in this bed. And then I start relaxing and then I can go to sleep. But he also, it's a problem because he's so itchy, but he also has no fingernails. Like he's a guitar player. And so um, he, I mean, this, this is his excuse. It's really just a bad anxious right. habit. He bites his right. fingernails. Sorry, babe. I love you. Okay. Love you. Um, bites his fingernails all the way down. So he's super itchy and he has nothing to itch himself with. So you know what he does? Um, he, he carries around with him an itching brush. Like one of those long scratchings? It's, it's of, <clears throat> no, like it's just a regular... Uh, oh my gosh, but it's a little softer than the thing. And he just carries it around. He puts it in his pocket. And with these chigger bites, we went to dinner with a friend last week and he sits down at this pizza restaurant and he pulls out his itching brush and he <laughs> starts itching his arms. And I was like, you brought that in? Babe. Why? Leave it in the car. Oh, my God. He's like, what do you expect me to do? It's my body with these bloody nubs. (laughs) I can't itch him with these bloody nubs. I need a brush. I can't believe he has this itching brush. Do you ever hear him yell through the house going, who's seen my itching brush? Did someone take my itching brush? (laughs) No, because it's always on his person. He never leaves it. No one's touched your itching brush. Oh my gosh, that is. I feel so bad for you. There was an Instagram video that you did, and your blessed kids. You know, you have like acres of land, and your blessed kids made a fort or something 
on the cement because they couldn't even go and like yeah. enjoy your land because the chiggers are so bad. Chiggers, the word chigger is terrifying to me. That just feels like it's, it's a terrifying. plague that is about to take out my my innards. I don't even know. It feels so terrifying to me. That and ticks, I can't even handle it. Anyway, I just know that everybody needs to know in life that we sound really smart in a lot of areas, but most of the time she's wishing she had her husband's itching brush. So that's where we are. <laughs> and to his to his credit, it's funny because then I learned about dry brushing. Oh, dry brushing is amazing. And like my friend was like, it's great. It's great for your lymphatic system. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yet another thing, quirky right. thing that my husband figured out for himself ahead of time and didn't even know it was good for his lymphatic system. I'm like, his lymphatic system's probably right on the money because he's always itching himself, dry brushing himself all day long. (laughs) This is so great. Okay, well, we need to talk about serious things, but... Uh, I just, I just think it's important for you guys to know when you, when we're asking you to reclaim the places of your story, we're needing to reclaim the places of ours. And that can come from sleeping Amen. and chicken bites. Okay. So this can be very deep yes. and also just, that. you know, dry brushing tips. Maybe you're going to walk away going, you know what? I know that was all crazy, but I need a, I need an itching brush. And if that helps you review yeah. and subscribe. Okay. Review and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> the deep smash that subscribe that's right. button. Subscribe right here. Anyway, I am excited about today's I'm excited about today's topic because I think it gets I think calling gets a a weird, I don't know if it's a bad rap, but it gets a weird rap because I feel like especially for Christians, we are obsessed with knowing our purpose and our calling. We're like obsessed with it. And now don't get me wrong. I think even in my bio, I mean, I've written my bio forever. I think on Instagram, it had something to do about your God given calling. And I think, uh, so I think there's something in there about that. And, and that's because yes, that, that is what we desire, but we have become a culture that is so obsessed about what we're doing for God. Um, that Mm. we, I think we've lost sight of what calling even really means. I think we've lost sight of, we've definitely lost sight of being versus doing. And, and yet we are called to do, we are called to work with, there is a calling within you, but I think it's important for us to understand some differentiate, like to differentiate between like gifting and calling and you know, the vehicle in which you do your calling to really understand what calling is. And then the second thing is to understand why do we need to reclaim something? And I think this is a really important question because when we're thinking of reclaim, when we say reclaim your calling, uh, reclaim means that something has been taken and you're taking it back, right? Where a lot of times we will say, uh, what's being birthed within you? What's the passion that you have growing? God is doing something new. And yet we're coming to you guys saying, no, we want to talk about reclaiming something that has actually already been yours. And so I'm going to throw this question to right. you and we'll just kind of get talking here. But when I say the words, why do you think it was important for us to say, reclaim your calling as opposed to like step into your calling or birth your calling or let your... 
why reclaim your calling? Mm-hmm. What do you, what do kind of you think about that, Tori? Immediately what comes to mind is Ephesians 2.10, where it says we are a workmanship, a creative, detailed byproduct of God's handiwork, which he fashioned together in his image with intentionality and purpose, that we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And it says in this passage that he planned before the beginning of time for you to walk it out, which has been a, um, a promise in scripture that I have come back to time and time again, the good works that God has called me to uniquely do are different than Carrie's different than any other person listening to this. They're mine. They've been entrusted to me by God and planned before the foundation of the world for me. But we know that we have an enemy who's ravenous and his sole pursuit over us is to rob us of the glory that we're meant to embody and live that glorifies God through all that we do. We say every breath that we breathe. Um, So we're, and we talk about this all the time in Freedom Academy, in our online membership, in our certification programs, that wherever the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, there he is highlighting for you where your God-given calling, your voice, your message, an element of your purpose um, that you're meant to carry as a solve to the world, a hope embodied, filled with the presence of God. The enemy's attacks actually highlight a place mm-hmm. of your purpose. So you have to reclaim them because they're being you they're they're under attack on a day-to-day basis. Like I almost have to reclaim my calling on a weekly, monthly mm-hmm. basis sometimes to go, wait, here is the familiar themes where the enemy has come in to distract and destroy mm-hmm. and corrupt and mislead me. And the God-given giftings that I've had since I was literally five yeah, years old. Born, girl, like born. on the born mm-hmm. with them. Yep. You know on the playground telling people about Jesus, then in my mid-20s, sitting in a, you know, sitting in a what felt like unsurmountable burnout and I can't escape the restlessness and the anxiety that's coming with my fear that I'm missing it and I'm missing God's best for my life. And no matter what I how much I do and how much I prove myself, I can't, I can't where is the rescue from this anxiety in my body that I'm not doing enough for God and he's just mad at me and I'm not measuring yeah. up. I had to reclaim it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's comes so to good. mind. I'd love to yeah, hear your thoughts. I mean, here's what I want to help us understand as we kind of unpack this, which I also hate the word unpack because every pastor says that, but here we are. Uh, I, I think I was born. I think we are born. I don't think I know. We are born with a certain set of gifts and we are born. And and like, just like you said, I love that you brought up Ephesians, like we are his workmanship. And that, that has been, that there is something that when God was creating you in your mother's womb, like he's creating you and fashioning you for good works, for the things that he has for you, there is gift settings that he puts on you. There are things that he's like, this is uniquely you. 
And when you are born Mm -hmm. and as you are growing, those gifts are beginning to be highlighted, even in small, you know, in small ways, they're getting to be highlighted. And this is where I think the enemy really, because here's the thing, the enemy does not know your, uh, the plans that God has for you. He, he doesn't know that. Right. Um, but he has a, the, the enemy has a plan for you. And his sole purpose is to see the good gifts that you've been given as he sniffs them out and to eradicate them as much as possible. So we can't just jump to, yeah. and this is what I think is the problem. I think often we are, we're searching in our story. We're trying to figure out how to heal And we jump to what is my calling before actually taking back the gifts that we've been given. And I think we can't jump to calling until we understand there is, you you were given this gift. It's like a present you were given at Christmas and you unwrapped it and it was yours. And then someone came in and robbed your home and took that gift. And they have kept it for themselves yeah. and they have kept it away from you for whatever reason. And we could, un- we could unpack in many different ways, the ways that your giftings have been assaulted. And they sound like things like you're yes. being too much. You're not enough. You're not smart. You're stupid. You know, you're like, what a dumb gift. It should, your gift should, you know, you should look like that. You know, you're not a singer. You're just an administrator, you know, you're yeah, selfish. you're selfish, all the things, right? And so I think if we're going to jump to, often we are taught to, I think, to reclaim your calling, to to stand in your God-given purpose, but we we actually cannot stand in our calling if we don't actually know where we're gifted and we don't actually reclaim those Mm -hmm. gifts. And and that's where I, I truly believe that when we're reclaiming a gift, it's out of reclaiming the gifting and understanding the marring and the uh, destruction that has happened around that gifting that actually begins to produce our calling. So ultimately our calling is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's really our calling on the world. Like we're all supposed to do that, but there's unique ways in which we're going to do that. And I do think that they are partnered with your gifting and you're assaulting. You're gifting and you're assaulting. Mm-hmm. And that's why this, this reclaim is so important. And that's why we're doing this conference even on uh, July 29th, because what does it look like to begin to start reclaiming your story so that you can understand where you're gifted? Because what, what Tori is saying is where you are gifted, uh, that's predominantly where you've been assaulted. So I'm a salt, I, I am right. gifted in communication, right? This is my, this is one of my giftings. Okay. I can get on a stage. I can communicate. I can make very complex things simplified. I've always been able to do that. Uh, and yet that is, if I look back throughout my story, thematically, these are places where I remember Mrs. Schubert, uh, I wanted her to like me so much and she just adored me because of the way that I could communicate with her. And we had really good conversations and I wanted her to like me so bad mm. that one time I lied. I lied about skiing or something. This was like in fourth grade and she found out that mm. I lied. And because of that, um, she literally pulled away her gaze. She pulled away her affection towards me and 
I felt like in that moment, when I use my words, even when I'm lying or whatever, I'm not met with care around that. I'm met with like rejection. Like you talk too much, you say too much, you do too much. And that's a, a little example and multiple examples of places where I was mm-hmm. too much for the room. I was a bull in a china shop, all of these things. And that really yeah. was this reclaim, like looking back and going, that's actually a gift that I was given and it needed to be shaped appropriately, but it was actually assaulted. So right. I think that we can't get to calling until we really understand to reclaim your calling is to actually understand where do I first need to reclaim my gifting? Yeah. In our online membership over the course of this last year, we've been leading the women that have been a part of it through a year-long process of story work and spiritual formation. Shout out to our Freedom Cohort peeps. We love you. Um, And we talk about this cycle that we cycle through our lives. And when it comes to reclaiming the story, there is a need for repair. And something that we've taught is that, you know, God's, this masterpiece that we're talking about, this image of God, God created good. And the enemy has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. We are not um, innocent. We're also born with this sinful inheritance that we inherit upon birth. But our original intent was for goodness. And that's what, when we're talking about this, these giftings and even our story and how we're welcomed into the world, we were created for goodness and we realized very quickly, oh, this world is not good. Like evil prevails on the most basic moments like you're talking about with a teacher or the most profound moments of trauma in our story. And damage is the the second part of this cycle, goodness to damage. And in this damage, in order to process it, we actually have to grieve. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I, I was born f- with, you know, very similar giftings mm-hmm. to you, Carrie, and a desire to use my giftings for the glory of God. And I was born into a Christian home with a dad who served at a church. Much of the damage that happened in my story happened within the walls of church buildings, not outside right. of it. Um. And there wasn't much space and availability for me to really process and grieve. So I would get angry at the injustice, angry at the betrayal, Mm -hmm. angry at the things that I was witnessing within the walls of the church building. And it wasn't until I actually chose to grieve, which was the deeper root system underneath um, my anger, was this sadness and sorrow with God to actually receive repair, which is the third step of this cycle. Um, and without repair, you can't have the final part of that of that cycle, which is partnership right. with God. And then it cycles back into goodness and damage and repair because he's bringing us from glory to glory. It's not like we cycle through this once and we're like, good, we're Never good. Um, but you know, where the, we've, you know where the repair came for for me was in a season of hiddenness. Mm. Tell me more. Um, my husband was called. So the 10 years before my husband was called into full-time traveling ministry with his band, I Am They, he had his season of hiddenness in 10 years at a cubicle for the state of Nevada. And I mean, he'd show up and do his little, you know, do his little work. 
And all in all going, God, is this really what you're calling me to? And there was just faithfulness that he sowed in that season until God plucked him out of the middle of nowhere of the desert of Nevada, as God does in stories in scripture. We see it through Joseph getting brought out of a pit in a jail cell. We see Moses being found in a burning bush in the middle of the field. When you embrace, yeah, when you embrace your place that God has assigned to you in seasons where it doesn't feel fulfilling in your calling, there is a perseverance and a refinement that happens there when it's just you and Jesus. And all of the, you know, external ways that you want to measure goodness and worth and calling are stripped away. And it's just the simple faithfulness of the presence of God anchoring you in what you're doing. Um when I got married to my husband, he was already well into this process, but I was just beginning. And I was like, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, throw me in, coach, for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, I am ready. I'm 20 years old, and I know everything. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) we had so many stories. Even, like, my prophetic gifting, I I didn't – I was so arrogant. I can say that with confidence, but also Mm -hmm. kindness of that, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, And yet I felt like I knew so much more than I did. And God was kind enough to say – Ooh, before I put you on a platform, I'm going to need to reform you. I'm going to need to repair you. I'm going to need to help you reclaim the story that I've, you know, invested into you. And that came through the last 10 decades of motherhood that was largely hidden and tucked away. And there was deep-rooted longing in my heart for God to use me in new ways and use my voice. But he had to refine my voice through a season of hiddenness that led to partnership and new levels Mm -hmm. of goodness. Um, You know, and so just to speak to someone who knows what their gifts are, because there are many that are listed in scripture. And there's some people who go, gosh, I don't even know if I have a gift. There are others like me where I was so aware that God had Mm -hmm. gifted me. And I carried that like almost Joseph spirit where I prematurely praised around a, with a little arrogance um, that led to envy in my story. And God had to redeem and repair things before putting me in any place of leadership. And look at Joseph's story everywhere where the Lord led him truly he with the enemy that that's that famous line at the end of his story, what you meant for evil which this is reclaiming the story, God meant for good. Here I am decades later after being betrayed and experiencing injustice and being locked away in a prison cell. I found favor every step of the way. And now I can partner with God to see goodness dwell in the land. And he used me for that. It's just such a transformative process. And God uses the hidden place for it. And it's so important to understand that anyone great any, and and by, by I mean great, anybody that is used for God in a way that is um, really effective in the, in the restoring of people's hearts or the care of people's hearts. Mm. Um, you look throughout scripture. I mean, you look at David, you're going to be anointed as king. And then 20 years, you've got to wait until your kingship happens. And, and I think yeah. one of the things that when we're reclaiming the calling that God has given us, if it is not coupled with a season of, you know, as you put it, Tori, hiddenness or the waiting or the refining, then we are actually prematurely stepping into the places 
that maybe God will have for us. And just because something is growing doesn't mean it's favored. Uh, just because someone is famous mm. for Jesus doesn't mean that that's actually God's blessing. Gifts, you know, our gifts yeah. and the hands of our own abilities can get us pretty far. I mean, it really can. Um, and I'm not there. Don't go around judging people. I'm just saying, don't look at everyone who has a platform as anointed, blessed and favored by God. It doesn't always work that way. I mean, you know, Saul is a really good example, was favored, lost favor. Uh, there's a lot of people in scripture that have that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think if we're looking, let, I want to give you like a step by step of an understanding. First of all, uh, to reclaim your calling is to actually reclaim your gifting and to understand where you're gifted. One of the questions yeah. you can ask yourself, if you're like, I don't know what I'm really gifted in, or I don't know, uh, there's a question you can either ask yourself or you can ask someone else. One, what comes easy to you? You don't have to work very hard. You think mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, like for me and my husband, when someone asked me, someone asked me a couple weeks ago, hey, could you hop on and do this teaching and it was like in 24 hours or something. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I, I think I prepared for the teaching for maybe like 10 minutes before I got on. I didn't even think about it. And my husband mm-hmm. was like, you're just going to get on that thing. You have a 30 minute talk you have to do. And you prepared for 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's in my head. I got it. He was like, I would be, my mouth would be dry. My tongue would be swollen. I would have needed like three weeks to like work through. And, and I'm like, in my head, I'm going, that's easy. It's no, it's not even a big deal. Um, And that's because it's actually not by my own strength. It's actually a gift that I cannot take credit for that has been given to me by God that have actually uh, allowed myself to reclaim. Mm. So the question you can ask yourself, what do you do that just comes easy to you? And the second question is, you know, Mm -hmm. I hate a lot of people hate the question. What are you passionate about? My, my husband hates that question. I don't mind it because that's how I operate, but that's a really tough question for a lot of people. So instead of asking yourself, what are you passionate about? What would you spend your time doing? and not be paid for it. That's how you know this is mm-hmm. an area in which you are gifted. You would do it without even being paid. You would do it. It just comes naturally. Yeah. And if you can't answer those questions, then ask a friend, what do you see that I do that that just is something that is natural? Or when you think of me, you go, man, this is something she's just really good at. And let's not yeah. discredit our gifting as in in ratedness like okay the speaker is better yeah. than the baker the uh you know the musician is better no. than the administrator because they are all important and serve a purpose i can tell you right now this podcast would not be done if it weren't for my assistant carabeth uh dj kb uh, is amazing. And without her, this doesn't happen. She has the gift of organization and administration, and I have zero of it. And so that is a gift. Yeah. But that gift in her, that discernment gift that she's been given, that ability to bring structure and organization. Um, and I know, you know I'm not telling care about story on here, but there's many places where that has been minimized, assaulted, and seen as less than. And yet without her, there is no podcast. And so we have to start with reclaiming your gifting, which moves us into a season of of healing. 
So let's take a look really quick of, and, yeah. and Tori just talked about this, of Paul. Paul gets uh, going on the road to Damascus. You guys know the story. He's about to go persecute some more Christians because that's just like what he does. He's like jazzed on persecuting Christians. That's what he lives for. He's on his way to a town called Damascus. He gets stopped by uh, light from heaven, drops him to his knees. It's God being getting to talk to him. And God says a famous line. I love it. Um, it's in Acts 26, verse 14. And he says to him a bunch of things. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? But then he says, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? And when I read that, I'm like, what the heck does that even mean? And really what it means is, and this will help you in understanding uh, what God was saying to Paul is the same thing he's saying to you. Paul, first of all, never changed in his giftedness. He did change in his vehicle and his purpose. He did change in that, but his gifts actually stayed the same. And so when God says, yeah. why are you kicking against the goads? Goads are just these prodded, they're like a little prickly prod, like stick. And when cows were going along down a valley or, or trying to go down a road, um, the shepherd would stick them with these goads to keep them in line, going to where they're supposed to be going. But the cows didn't like it. And so they would <laughs> kick against the goads. They would fight against these goads, even though the goads were trying to prod them to get them to go where they're supposed to go. They would fight and kick and cause problems until they kind of surrendered. What God is saying here to Paul is, yeah. look, you've been gifted and I have a plan for your life. Why are you fighting against this plan? This, this moves Absolutely. Paul into yes. shackles on his eyes. He's three days blind, blah, blah, blah. And here's where I want to enter in, like enter into this idea around calling and what you just said, Tori, is before Paul went, well, he started to evangelize right after he got saved, you know, right after he had this conversion, but then God takes him away for three years and he takes him away for three years mm -hmm. to begin to prepare his heart. I think to heal some of the damage that had happened in years of religion and to retrain the way that he thinks so that he could actually reclaim the calling the particularities of where he was going to move. So let me ask you this, Tori, for you, if the, mm -hmm. if the true sense is I need to reclaim my calling, I need a season where I am healing in the reclaiming. I mean, I need to reclaim my gifting. And then I'm in a season where I need to actually reclaim and understand those giftings to slough off the world that has shaped me so that I could step into my calling. If we say that out of the particularities of your pain produce the particularities of our calling, how would you define that for you in, in your own life? And then even, you know, how you've seen in the life of others. Mm. I think I would begin with adding one more question to the questions that you listed before, right. which were what are you naturally mm -hmm. really good at and what would you do without, you know, before I was able to define the answers to those questions, I, I asked a, or I was asked, or maybe even just walked through a process of answering this other question, which was what makes me angry? Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why I asked that 
is because sometimes it's a little bit easier to define that up front because you have to pull back the layer of the damage that it's the reason why you're angry about areas. I'm angry when I see mothers hustling their lives away and forsaking presence. I'm angry to see a generation um, who focuses on teaching behavior modification rather than true heart transformation. I'm angry when I see leaders in the church lead without emotional intelligence and care and mercy. Um, I'm angry at the assault against women's Mm. bodies. I'm angry at the assault against marriage and children. Um, And when I get angry, when I see something that I encounter, um, you know, on social media or something, or even feeling this anger around the feeling of resentment toward my husband for being able to Mm. do something important for God while I got left out and benched what felt like being benched Mm. by God and forgotten by God for a season. That deep rooted bitterness and resentment was so alive in me. And it wasn't until I was able to name, I am angry that that needed to be cared for and tended to long enough for me to understand why, what's beneath that, um, what harm in the story happened, but also what are the natural gifts that are alive in me that want to be activated, but I'm not in a place of healing and wholeheartedness to be able to use them well. You know, like you bring up, you bring up Paul, Paul cared about justice. He cared about, um, he cared about the word and the law of God. He cared about, about the glory and the righteousness of God. And he devoted his entire life to it, reading the scriptures, studying, devoting his whole life to the study of the Torah. And, um, you know, he's a Pharisee, so that's his entire life. And I'm sure that's where he received affirmation and purpose in his community. And it's where he found a place to belong. And that natural gift, the natural gifts that he used to carry out that calling were working against the very heart of what God was actually doing. It's merciful that God would call someone out like Paul to say, hey, I see the gifting on your life. Isn't it so hard playing tug of war Mm -hmm. with me? You know, you know that there's something deeper here. Um, And I've found in my story, when I've had these moments of wrestle and anger and anxiety and tension, and there's a honest encounter with the presence of God, and I don't try to perform or please or work for or package it up in a way that I think it's meant to be voiced to him, but I come to him with an honest answer and a cry from the soul. We serve a very merciful God whose sole desire is to see our lives reclaimed for his glory. He has good and purposeful plans. He is a good and kind and faithful and never changing God. And I needed to know that he could crawl into the depths of my anger and disappointment to cause me like to cause the uh, scales, so to speak, that were like on Saul's eyes to fall off. They were there before he even went blind. 
after the after the scales fell, it was I can see what God was doing all mm-hmm. along. I can see it now. And no one can give you the ABCs, one, two, threes right. of that. The only way you have that revelation from heaven is with an encounter with the Holy Spirit that is yours and yours mm-hmm. alone. It's not curated or given to you secondhand on a podcast. It's not going to probably be found in a book, although all the things you listen to and these things are great. They're goats Boop, are pointing you in this right. direction, but you know where they're right. pointing you? They're pointing you back to centralize God's presence in every part of who you are. Because listen, everything that you do, everyone that you love, even your body that is being reclaimed for God's glory, you will someday lose. You will lose your ability to, you won't be as agile as you were before. You're going to be limited physically. You, your, your family could pass away before you do. Um, your ministry and voc- and vocational, like mm-hmm. professional um, right. positions, you can lose these things. You could lose your ability to speak. You can lose your cognitive ability. Um, and you will eventually lose your life, this side of heaven. The only thing that you take with you from this life into the next is the soul that is grown with God's presence at the center. You take God's presence and your soul with you. So reclaiming the story in your calling is about centralizing the presence of God at the center of everything that you're doing, peeling back the layers of going, how much is what I'm doing impacted by how other people perceive me or what I think I'm supposed to be doing in order to create the sense of worthiness or righteousness. Mm-hmm. But it's um, it's knowing and loving him. That's what Carrie said. Love me. Love me. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Because this presence, this the 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 very presence of God dwelling in your human flesh and alive through everything you do and say is the gift that you will bring from this life into eternity. And it's nurtured and grown and deepened and this relationship flourishes through all of these elements of who you are. But if you can lose it, then at the end of the day, it's not your Mm -hmm. calling. Yeah, because calling is just not about um, the vehicle in which we um, operate for or with God. Um, like, you know, right. we both work for freedom movement and that's the organization that I founded and started. And one day freedom movement will not exist. And I don't know when that day is. It could be next year. It could be 20 years from now. It could be, I don't know. Uh, but one day it will not exist. Yeah. And also, even if it exists beyond me, one day I will not exist. But the truth is, is that if yeah. I look at freedom movement, my nonprofit, as my calling, then I can lose my calling. And, and that's what we're trying to say. And that's why I think those, that season of hiddenness, that season of refinement, um, and on a continual cyclical basis of refinement, like there needs to be seasons where you are in rest and introspection and, and God like revealed Absolutely. to me, um, because, uh, 
then we get very idled to, we idolize our doing. We idolize the vehicle over the actual desire and calling. And calling is who am I becoming in Christ and who is Christ becoming in me? And, and as I'm going to leave, you yep. know, when, when Paul says, I'm leaving behind what was, and I'm pressing towards uh, what it, what is, what is new, what is, what is for me. He's not talking about the vehicle. He's not talking about, I'm no longer going to be a Pharisee and now I'm going to be a child of God. Although that was true, what he was talking about is his intentionality. I am going to not put my intentions and my heart into this place of riches and wealth and affirmation. I'm going to put my intention into becoming more like Christ and being with him. He was standing at the edge of the sea Mm -hmm. And he wants to go into, I think he wants to go into Asia or something. And he's like, oh, this would be really good. Like, we're going to go and tell people about Jesus. And, and God says, no, I want you to go this way. And that's where you begin to understand that to live out your calling and to reclaim your calling is to set down the things that you believe are supposed to happen and truly be led by the spirit and the presence of God to go, God, as you become you know, more, I get to decrease. Like I don't Mm. have to rise so that I can feel good. I actually get to decrease, which is to settle, to become less of my flesh and more of your spirit. And that's such a gift. And so this is really hard when people come to me and they go, well, I want to know my calling. I want to know what I'm supposed to do on the land. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, when you ask the question, you know, what am I angry about? You named seven, eight things. So that means that you could have been a marriage counselor. Mm -hmm. You could have been, you know, a, uh, you could have gone in to be a pastor. You could have gone in to do children's ministry. You could have gone into being a teacher. There's so many things you could have done because anger in each one of those areas was, uh, was inside you. But I think when you collectively look at that, you narr- you start to narrow it down and focus it to there's something deeper that you are that's rooting that's pushing that anger and it's not just a i don't like what's happening with moms i don't like what's happening with marriages there's something even deeper that you feel is being stolen and and that is because yeah. it was stolen from you and And that's where we need to get kind of get to understanding, you know, for me, my, my calling isn't just to go around and, you know, tell people about Jesus that that might be part of it. What angers me, what angered me was Mm -hmm. watching my mother. That's one of the things that angered me is watching my mother hear so much about Jesus sit in the front row for 50 years of church do all the things, take all the notes and was slowly dying before our eyes. And no one said anything. There was no space for her. And and then that, you know, indirectly and then directly affected the way I lived my life, you know, numbed out and then ultimately wanting to take my own life, which is just generational cursing from both my, my mother then to me. And And so I'm angry about how she was responded to in the church. I'm angry that my dad would go to ministry to be a salve for not having to deal with our home. But I'm actually not driven to create a different church or create. It's so much deeper 
the deeper is my calling is about creating space for the human heart to be restored and have a space to be able to process and understand how my mom got there in the first place. And how can I begin to create spaces to help someone like her and someone like me have a space to be able to work out what feels very visceral and very true and honest, but have no place to share it. That's my calling. I'm using freedom movement. Yeah, I hope you guys hear that. Please hear that. If you've gone through something difficult and hard, like there was a woman who said, gosh, I just went through a terrible miscarriage, but I don't feel like I'm supposed to build my, she literally said this, I don't feel like I'm supposed to build my platform around conversations for miscarriage. And I'm like, like it almost took my breath away. Of course not. You, that would just be packaging it up for your the damage and the open wounds in your story to be even more damaged by the evil of our enemy who's like, I'm just going to take that and rip mm-hmm. it apart and you're going to have to have all the answers for these people. There's something much deeper than the sur- the surface experience that Carrie experienced with her mom hit a deeper heart place that the Lord birthed in Carrie before the beginning of the foundation of the world so that she could use her prophetic giftings where she needed her voice to be used Mm -hmm. and heard to call out the injustice and to cry out as John the Baptist did, repent and be baptized, turn back. There's another way. Um, That is... It's so much more embodied than just packaging up a marketable story from your mm-hmm. pain. It's knowing the nuances. And that's why story work was so profound for me, Carrie, when I met you three years ago, was because the general surface way that I would market, like, oh, well, I'm mad and angry at these things. So now I have to be solutions mm. for all these things. You crawled into the depths of my story to name deeper places of brokenness where I was like, oh, there's the root system. And then I had to notice where every time I wanted to to return back to that place of self-made safety where I kept myself protected from that damage in my story through what I did, I had to actually lean into vulnerability and care to receive from God what I needed to receive in order to walk into deeper levels of freedom. And layer by layer, step by step, day by day, there unfolded a process of understanding more. And I'm still on this journey of who God has created me to be um, all along. It's, It's not trying to be more of something that I am not yet you know, something that I could be, a solve, a, a solution that I could be. But the Lord brings us back through this process of healing, back to who we already are. Um, and Bosley. <laughs> Coming I don't in even want to edit that because it's beautiful. And then my dog barks. <laughs> and that just feels like how 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 much are we going along this beautiful path with Jesus and we're discovering things and then boom interrupted by something and it unedited and it, keep right, it unedited and it throws us off and I'm like that's annoying but also that's that's it right there that is that's life it. and so when you're looking at like <laughs> it's so easy to listen to a podcast and be like okay yeah 
That's it. All right. I'm going to do that. And then you have to get off of this podcast and go live your life. And your life is full of yes. turns and ups and downs and dogs barking and, you know, and noises, noises and, and, and distractions. And that's why if you aren't hearing this, it's, you know, I'm a recovering drug addict, 10 years. I was an addict. I have been clean, you know, for 21 years. I, I don't work in a drug rehab center. That, that's not what I do. Do I care about addictive behaviors? Yes. I care more about why you started doing drugs in the first place. That is, I, I am a root system girl. Why is my mom sitting like this? Why is Tori so angry about these things? It's beautifully packaged anger to against people, but for the long time, her anger came out in arrogance, right? Like I need to be seen as uh, smart and yep. good and uh, capable. And, and that, that produced something in her that kept her away from this soft place. And, and the truth is, is that for all of you guys listening to this, your calling is, is birthed and developed and there within the places of your story. So it's going back and discovering the places where you have been harmed. And, and we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. Something begins to change in you as you get free, free people, free people, a holy discontent will begin to rise within you. And instead of being the yes. persecutor of Christians, Paul was the rescuer of souls. And he used his gifting to do that. In both of those places, his giftings were being used, but his gift in the hands of his destructive behaviors, the enemy, uh, poor environments caused pain and tragedy. But his gifts in the hands of God, we are all recipients of his giftings because of how we, we are the Gentiles that now know salvation because of Paul using Thank his God. gifts in the hands of God. So I just want to be really clear, really, really clear that reclaiming your calling is not about trying to figure out what business you're going to grow, what, what's the next best thing you're going to do. That is the outcome. That is the outcome of a story that has yes. been tended to, that has been mined, that has been uh, looked at, cared for, examined. It is in that place that your gifting begins to come back to the surface and you go, man, I have this gift and I don't want to see that happen on the land anymore. How can I use this gift that God has given me to begin to bring uh, the, the goodness of the Lord to the land of the living? That is calling. Oh, yes. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. And on our on our um, training on the 29th, if you can join us, it's only $37 to join oh, us. Such a good price. What we'll do is we'll sit with places in your story. You won't have to share it no. with anybody. That's fine. Carrie is going to give you a biblical example and you're, it's going to be very hands-on and personalized to you. You're going to be not getting on and listening to a training. You're going to be getting on and participating and implementing some of this work live on that training that Saturday. And we'll talk about some of the more practical ways that the damage in our story then leads to behaviors that wreak havoc 
and distract you and keep you in that place of damage repair, damage repair, damage repair, damage repair in your story without moving into partnership and goodness. We want to see you moving into partnership and goodness in your calling. And so join us on the 29th so that we can get hands on Mm -hmm. with you and help you hold this and begin to name things that need that care that Carrie's talking about. And here, you know, go back to some of the questions we asked you. What makes you angry? What are you good at? What do you just enjoy doing? Uh, What do people say you're good at? You know, take some time to take some inventory and just look at your life. You don't have to solve it all right now. It will come. We offer these things to you because it's a process. Sanctification, salvation, this this being saved is a process. And yet you're worth the process. You're worth the things that uh, are hidden deep within you and and are desiring to come to the surface. And so when we ask you, uh, what does it look like for you to reclaim your calling? uh, How much are you fighting against the goads? How much are you fighting against the the prodding that says, actually, this is, this might feel painful to have to go into, but it's leading you towards the actual places I have for you. It's your destiny and your destiny is written on your bones. It's written on your bones. And so, uh, that's, that's our question for you. Those are the questions that we have for you. And I hope that you just take some time to look at that. Next week, we'll be coming back with uh, what does it look like to reclaim the story in our family, to reclaim our family? And what does that look like uh, in the particularities of our marriage and with our children? Because that's just applicable to where we are today. And so we just hope and pray that as you're taking in this podcast, again, share it with a friend. Hopefully you will join us on July 29th. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, It's called Reclaim Your Story. It's going to be a five-hour training where both Tori and I are going to be teaching. Tori's going to be teaching on sabotage um, and how do we sabotage ourselves in behaviors. And uh, it's going to be just a fantastic time for you to to apply some of what we're talking here in a more personal way. Away, And so we'd love to have you there. As always, it is such a joy to be able to be on this podcast with you, the Honest Pod, where we just create an environment where we believe that it is out of the honest places of our hearts, um, met with the honest place of God's heart, that we begin to find freedom. We'll see you guys next week. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. (laughs) 